Welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics, the podcast hosted by two brothers reminiscing about the comics uh, that mean so much to them. And when I say comics, I'm referring to comic books, uh, not comic strips, not uh, comic uh, comedian comics, not um, C-O-M-I-X, whatever that would be. I'm talking about comic books. C-O-M-I-X would be like art comics, like Robert Crumb stuff. Yeah, no way am I talking about Robert Crumb. We're not hippies. Yeah, I don't like cool stuff. Me either. I don't like cutting edge, artistic, artistically bold things. Keep I'm it talking normal, about please. Uh, stories involving Roman soldiers that are trapped <laughs> underneath the surface of the planet, drinking from the Fountain of Youth. Yeah, or Asian villains that veer right on the border of <laughs> racial yes. caricature. Yeah, right on the wrong side of that border, right? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. But not that's deep what into I like. It. Not like this R. Crumb stuff where people are having S E X. Yuck. Yuck. Girls are yucky. Yuck. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Hines. I'm the other host, Will Hines. And we are both UCB performers, teachers, comedians. Uh, Will lives in Los Angeles doing his business over there. Mm-hmm. I live here in New York doing my business over here. Yep, Kevin. Will is back from Oslo. Yeah, that's right. I was in Oslo, Norway. Now I'm back stateside, so I probably sound more American yeah. now. But you know, but I was probably sounding a little bit socialist, a little bit um, like I was worshiping Odin. Yeah, it came across. But now I'm back yeah. in the good old, good old uh, land of uh, old glory, baby. And I am suffering from a little cold that my son gave me as a gift uh, oh, yesterday. Sweet. So I have a little cracking voice. I might cough. I'll try to keep it. Uh, I'll try not to do that to our faithful listeners. Well, just um, a pitch if you need something to make you feel better. If you have a gamma ray machine yeah. in your house, try dosing yourself at the fullest um, amount. We haven't tested gamma rays on cold viruses, so let's try it and see what it does. Just as long as you have a machine that's operated by your feet. <laughs> I mean, okay, just in case, I'll put yeah. some feet controls on it. Got to take my socks off first. We're talking about The Incredible Hulk. We're going over the the original issues of The Incredible Hulk that came out in the 60s by the original creative team of artist, writer Jack Kirby and writer, dialogue guy Stan Lee. Um, we're doing issue five today. Um, yeah, this was excited. a short run uh, that they did because they got canceled after issue six. The Hulk became sort of a frequent guest star after that until uh, getting himself into a title again as a regular character. Uh, so these six, even though the Hulk, uh, the second or third most popular, th- the second most popular Marvel character prior to the movies, um, yeah, his book was one of the least popular. But uh, just like the Hulk himself, he can't be defeated. Um, he is an unstoppable force of nature, and his comic book survived and thrived. Yeah, so. and the, and these six issues that we're covering are uh, bonkers. They're bonkers. They're really fun. Jack Kirby, the um, artist writer, you know, who is, you know, the the main source of your ideas for Marvel comics in the 1960s um, is really fun and really nuts. Like part of Jack Kirby's fun is he just like crams a million ideas into every issue. He doesn't worry about things like continuity or (laughs) logical sense. If it looks cool, it's going in the issue. And uh, these Hulk ones are, are like. I mean, Kirby is seriously unleashed in these. I wonder if what hurt these comics more than anything else is the lack of a good villain. That's like, true, yeah. There's a, there's a good foil in Thunderbolt Ross, but the villains are forgettable to dumb. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, in the Fantastic Four, you know, Kirby's other um, Marvel comic at this time, which was a big hit right away, um, you got the Submariner. You know, Kirby did not create the Submariner, but he works as a great villain for the FF. You got Doctor Doom, who is insane, but certainly a successful villain. And the Skrulls. The Skrulls, yeah, like a lot of the FF villains end up sticking, and we kind of they become part of the Marvel universe for a long time. And even Spider-Man that hasn't started yet. I mean, all his early villains had huge staying power. Well, even the Chameleon. What we're learning, I think, what I'm learning, uh, people, this might have been. <laughs> super obvious to people who uh, are smart, but um, you know, cause we did a whole season on Spider-Man and talking about his original co-creator, Steve Ditko is that Ditko stuff is better. Basically like it certainly ages better. Like it just is more emotionally grounded, more thought out, even an insane villain like Craven the hunter kind of makes more sense than <laughs> Tyrannus the mighty that we're going to go over this issue. <laughs> Yeah, or Mangu, the uh, <laughs> communist robot shell yeah. from last issue. Yeah, um, but yeah, man, that's that's an interesting um, analysis. It might be the lack of a villain. Like, if the leader showed up in these six issues, does that mean the Hulk hits a little harder? And the leader's a Steve Ditko creation. Was oh, that right? And for sure, is the most famous Hulk villain. Yeah, he shows up in Tales to Astonish almost right away. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I already loved Steve Ditko. You know, Kevin and I are huge Spider-Man fans. Therefore, we love the original creator, Steve Ditko. Not therefore, but and we love the original yeah. creator, Steve Ditko. Um, but my appreciation for him grows and grows. Not to diminish Jack Kirby's genius and absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Jack Kirby did a few things, right? Yeah. But um, Kirby's one of those guys where like his there's two sides of the coin, a genius, a creative, you know, an endless fountain of ideas, visually interesting, beautiful art enthusiasm and fun, but also out of control pacing, logical, sometimes a lack of an emotional side to things. You know what I mean? Like no internal, there's no internal world in these villains. There's nobody to relate to. And, you know, and I just, uh, Ditko is awesome is one thing I'm learning. Though his issue of the Hulk, which is next issue, is insane okay <laughs> maybe stan lee was the problem anyway um <laughs> i mean tales to astonish is a little boring uh we'll, we'll cover that briefly maybe at the end that's true jack kirby um, is never boring that is true like even you know we just we did the fantastic four the first 102 issues plus annual yeah just we only did the first 102 and we s- took a little small sampling of the fantastic four we did about 600 issues per episode um <laughs> But uh, it it was rare. I guess there were some boring issues, but it was rarely boring. It, it was sometimes unhinged and crazy and tonally weird. But Jack Kirby issues, if only because his art is so good, is like great to look at. And 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 usually the ideas and when they're wonky, kind of make you smile. Yeah, and there's a couple boring Spider-Man issues right at the end, and these tales to astonish issues that Ditko did. Uh, they they sort of are they're fine. The villain leader is great, and there's a couple of cool things that happen in them. Uh, not the least of which is making the Hulk and Banner dynamic, the changing between the two of them. Right. Uh, he established like that. You know, he gets mad, he turns into the Hulk, or his heart rate races, and he becomes the Hulk, which is the essential missing piece to the Hulk that we don't get in these six issues. That all came in Ditko's run, but the stories are sort of just like. Now he's fighting this thing. Now he's fighting this thing. Now he's fighting this thing, which is you know a trouble with the Hulk. So this is issue five. Um, 
involving a main story about Tyrannus the Mighty. This is one of the most Kirby villains. Based on my read, based on our recent read of the Fantastic Four, Tyrannus the Mighty has like if you were doing like a Jack Kirby like bingo card where you got like put a little marker down if you hit like sort of you know um, stereotypically Kirby like tropes. Tyrannus hits many of them. And it's great. Okay, what are some of those tropes? Shorts. Like, ex- like exposed legs. <laughs> That's the first one. That's number one. Yeah. Hang on. My cat. You got to see some leg. Hey, Hopi. My cat has opinions. She thinks I'm, she thinks I'm being unfair to Kirby. Sort of like a, je- like a gladiator stuff. Secret, secret civilizations secret are civilization. a big part of it. That's a, there's a little bit of that in this. Just like casual reveal of huge, huge machines. Where just honestly, the size of the room itself is notable. Never mind the insane device that's inside of it. I'll, I'll let us the other ones as we get to it. Uh, so this cover involves Tyrannus coming down the stairs uh, in his uh, shorts. Or not shorts, I guess more like a skirt. A tunic? Yeah. Uh, surrounded by his soldiers. He's pointing a sword at the Hulk saying, Slay the monster in the name of Tyrannus the Mighty. And the Hulk is bursting through a wall towards uh, Rick and Betty Ross. I love this image of the Hulk, like just this angry one arm punch through a wall. Um, it's so fun. The cover claims he is more powerful, more dangerous, more uncontrollable than ever before. Here comes the Hulk. None of that's true. None of that's true. He is, well, he's maybe more powerful. He's not more dangerous. He's the most controlled he's ever been. Right. At, the, at this point in the Hulk story, Bruce Banner controls him when, when he is the Hulk. And he doesn't have great control of him. Like, the Hulk is angrier uh, than Banner wants him to be. But for sure he's more controllable than even when Rick Jones had him, where if Rick fell asleep, the Hulk destroyed a town. (laughs) And then before that, the Hulk just rampaged whenever he wanted all night long. (laughs) Maybe more powerful. Same dangerous. Way more controlled. Here comes the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound as good. A Stan knew what he was doing. Um, we go on to the splash page. This story is called Beauty and the Beast. So mm-hmm. Miss Betty Ross is going to be prominently featured for the first time. Yeah, this is her biggest part. Uh, the splash page shows Tyrannus super psyched, hands on hips, wearing a tunic, just with a slave race behind him. Just like this <laughs> civil. We never get into the civilizations in these villains. You know what I mean? Like people yeah, fight a yeah. Kirby villain, they defeat him. They're like, what about that? race of non-humans that existed that we never knew about, right? They look similar to the Moloids that Mole Man had, but they're not quite that. They look like a cousin race. They also seem to be wearing, like, uh, sauna towels yeah, they're, around their waist. The um, Tyrannus' dudes, they love the sauna. They love a good spa. Uh, they like good salt rubs. Yeah, but, like, the Mole Man... This also looks like a class photo. It's like Tyrannus and his race are posing for Jack Kirby, but it, it's like a... You know, one of those, like, they sell you at the end of the school year and be like, hey, do you want to buy a photo of your class? I wonder if they run into the Mulmans, like, little slave race of dudes. Like, I think they would get along. You know what I mean? I think they, they should get in touch. think they would. These guys are really good with machines, but I think are far outnumbered by the Moloids There's way and more the giant Moloids. monsters. Plus, the Moloids have that, like, room full of diamonds, so they probably have, like, a ton of financial yeah, resources. that's right. Um, anyway, I'm excited. So we move on to the beginning of this issue. What is technically page two, although page one of our comic, we see General Thunderbolt Ross, the most unhinged member of the U.S. military command, uh, showing a home movie of the Hulk to 
I was going to say his military advisors, but it's Rick Jones, Betty Ross, and a dude. No, it's and Bruce Banner. So to like That's Bruce Banner. That dude is Bruce Banner. Yeah, so he's showing movies about the Hulk to the man who is the Hulk. Because uh, he doesn't know Banner. He does not know that Banner is the Hulk, so he wants the scientist to help him catch the Hulk. Thunderbolt Ross is showing all the ways he's tried to catch the Hulk before, each one of which is a crazy Kirby idea that I love. The first one is a giant magnet <laughs> that he used to try to, like... I don't know, trap the Hulk somehow. Yeah, I don't know why that would work, but it's funny that that's not even a story. That's a one panel. <laughs> There's also a photograph of the Hulk like reaching out to crush a cameraman's uh, camera. The initial shot. It's very funny. Yeah, whoever was the cameraman who got that picture, I guess, is dead now. <laughs> Most likely murdered by Bruce Banner. Another another footage shows the Hulk doing his little turn a building into a garage door where he like grabs the base of a building and hoists it up, ripping open a hole as if he's like... You know, opening a door in the side of a building, but he's just ripping. Yeah, Hulk, Hulk assumes everything's on hinges. Yeah, that's one of the main faults of gamma rays is it makes you see hinges where there are none. Uh, and then in the final shot, um, the Hulk is hit by a nuclear bomb. <laughs> I think it is, it's, it's short of an actual atomic device. Oh, okay, good. So there's one step less powerful than a nuclear bomb. Phew. Some restraint from, T, from uh, Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, the Hulk shrugs it off. Has no effect on the Hulk. So then the home movie's over and Thunderbolt Ross says to Banner, all right, I want to catch him. You're one of the top scientists. You have been assigned to me by the Department of Defense, um, which is good because you're the only scientist who's on this base. Every other scientist mm-hmm. seems to come and go. Um, so, uh, yeah, think of a way to catch him. Yeah, Banner says, I can't make any promises, sir, but Rick and I will do our best to think of something. And when he said that, I was like, why Rick? Yeah. And uh, Thunderbolt Ross calls him on that as well. Yeah, Rick, bah, I can't see why you insist on having that insolent teenager as your assistant, which is a rude way to talk about someone who is right in front of you. Sure. But also a completely fair point. Like, I assume that Banner is like a highly educated uh, scientist with major credentials. He's done a ton of work for the government to this point. And his his assistant is a 17-year-old harmonica-playing, jalopy-driving um, kid. Yeah, he definitely feels like a high school dropout. Yeah, he's not doing homework. He doesn't go to school. I mean, he we as we've as we've observed, he's kind of a mechanical genius. But um, I'm not saying he should go to school, but he doesn't. He doesn't have. I think he doesn't have an education. Maybe he'll get his GED later. But I uh, hope he does. Good for him. Yeah. Page three. Banner has left the home of Thunderbolt Ross, so it's him and his daughter Betty Ross, and not Betsy Ross, as I keep saying. Betsy Ross. Yeah, as I keep saying too. The uh, woman from American History who I'd love to see Betsy Ross cross over into this book and really confuse us. That'd be so funny if <laughs> Betsy Ross through like a Doctor Doom time travel portal shows up and switches places with Betty Ross and Betty Ross is suddenly making flags like crazy. But so Betty Ross reveals through an internal speech balloon what we have known all along, readers. She's in love with Bruce Banner. It's unclear if Banner has any feelings for her. Uh, I mean, he seems to not want to kill her. That's basically all we've seen. In a Jack Kirby comic, the men, they don't have time for women and they're, you know, they're shopping and their desires for love, there's 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 bad guys to catch. Okay, there's duties to be upheld. There is a uh, Twitter feed right now called like Marvel a Day uh-huh. that is going through the entire Marvel Universe one comic a day. Wow, uh, starting with Fantastic Four number one. Though they've they're also including some flashback issues like Untold Tales of Spider Man oh, nice. and Avengers one and a half. Red. Uh, so I pay attention to when they cover comics I haven't read, like Ant Man ones. Okay. 
what you're describing is true to the nth degree with Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Wasp is constantly telling Hank that she loves him. And he's like, not now. <laughs> I guess if your audience is 12-year-old boys who are nerds and are having, who do not feel popular... Um, to have a character that is too busy to be bothered with things like friends and lovers would be like a comfort, I suppose. I mean, could it be true that Reed Richards is the most available, open, emotional love interest? Yeah, is he the most progressive dude that we have? I mean, he might be. <laughs> the Submariner, I think, is. The Submariner knows how to treat a woman. You make him, you make yeah, him your queen, me. you only yell at her every now and then. You do grab her and drag her back to your place to have these conversations. You don't propose so much as declare that you will be married, and yet you are mm-hmm. focused on the relationship somewhat. Yeah, more so than others. Yeah. Sorry, so but I think Reed's up there, and that's shocking for me to say out loud. I know he might be the second best man in the Marvel universe in terms of his treatment of women. Um, panel Oof. panel three Oof. of page three is where this comic officially goes off the rails. It took it took a while. It took uh, two pages. One was just a splash page. <laughs> Took a splash page and then like six or seven panels. But now we are off to the races. We cut to Tyrannus. <laughs> Who's watching Betty in like a crystal ball. A crystal ball, which I guess has the ability to just... It's, this is very common for Kirby villains. Oh, this is another thing in the Kirby bingo card. A device that lets you just spy on any part of the universe with audio and visual. <laughs> you know, yeah. like a TV that just lets you tune into whatever the reader was just looking at in the previous panel. So he was watching Betty... And he doesn't he doesn't use this device to figure out who the Hulk is. He uses no. this device to figure out how can he get to the military command of America so that he doesn't have to worry about the missiles and stuff. And then he monologues for like six panels about his history. Yeah, he's centuries old. He lives in an he's trapped in the earth by the magician Merlin. He has That's access right. to the fountain of youth, which he uses to stay hunky. Uh-huh. He wears a he is, oh huge He discovered a slave race. Um does he name them? No. He doesn't name them. They're a nameless race of subhumanoids that do his bidding. And build him a giant machine devices. Yeah, these are like the dozers of Fraggle Rock. Kevin, what do you think about that comparison? <laughs> That's a very good comparison. Uh, instead of building like roads, they're building though like missile launchers and things. I mean, they were like they also a, they wear were, like they were like a little Roman race of helmets builders. and swords. Yeah. Yeah, they're a race of builders. They're great. Uh, dozers, short for bulldozers. Uh, work your cares Good. away, playings for another day. Let the Fraggles play. Clap, clap. <laughs> Down at Fraggle Rock. Okay, there you go. Um, so you're saying that Jim Henson ripped off the Hulk for his Fraggle Rock series? I think series Jim Henson was it, reading it, this issue in particular and was like, uh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, use this." I mean, there's also the the orcs and the trash heap. I mean, they, those seem like curvy ideas. A talking trash sheep definitely seems like a Kirby thing, except it would be called like Mama Trash or something like that. You know, and it would be like, you know, like a granny goodness like character. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, she's not far off from that. Um, we cut. Oh, here's another Jack Kirby bingo thing. Crazy headgear. Uh, oh, yeah. He just puts on a strange helmet at the very end of this monologue. There's a, just a huge helmet, like a helmet that just looks difficult to wear, like heavy. I mean, like you're putting, like, heavy. You're putting like a chandelier on your head. It doesn't look like it protects you. Doesn't look functional. Um, Kirby loves those helmets. So, and just a huge room. Like, how big is this under surface kingdom? Like, between the Mole Man and Tyrannus, the ground should collapse everywhere on Earth. Yeah. We, uh, the, the crust is very strong. I guess so. In the Marvel Universe. I guess so. 
Uh, so we see Tyrannus's plan, which, even though he has a video capability of seeing everywhere on Earth, does not reveal to him, like, technological secrets about the rocket program or the existence of the Hulk. He's after Betty Ross so he can get to Thunderbolt Ross. That's right. Uh, we cut to uh, Bruce Banner and Rick Jones driving in a Jeep. I like all the Jeeps in these Hulk comics. Yeah, it's an army base. I love it. They go to visit Betty, and Betty has somehow, through ways that we are not revealed, become friends with Tyrannus. <laughs> <laughs> Since we last saw Tyrannus, you know, wearing his army helmet, he's now put on like a khaki outfit. Yes. Has met, befriended, and is romancing Betty Ross. He's got blue jeans tucked into some nice boots. Uh, he's got a shirt with his sleeves rolled up to show off his hunky muscles, his hunky fountain of youth muscles. Betty Ross he's has tamed his wild hair a little bit. Yeah, he's slicked his hair back with some pomade, <laughs> um, I assume. Um, yeah. Betty is trying to make Bruce jealous by befriending this handsome archaeologist. Bruce That's right. shows, takes no notice. <laughs> he doesn't seem, yeah, he just doesn't like this guy, but it doesn't have anything to do with Betty. He's just sort of like, why doesn't this guy have archaeological gear is this big problem with him. Then uh, Bruce. He thinks he's belittling the name of archaeologists. He doesn't like the disrespect that Tyrannus has for the field. I mean, Indiana Jones, I assume, has equipment, you know? He shows respect for the field of archaeology. I mean, he at least carries a whip. Uh, we cut to Bruce Banner and Rick now just at a cave. Um, I th- they followed Tyrannus and Betty there. Oh, okay, I see. And um, they enter the cave where Tyrannus and Betty have gone, but they find a rock blocking their entrance, which is, you know, Christ-like. <laughs> so you think uh, Tyrannus is Christ-like. Okay. Well, you know, Jesus was in the tomb, trapped by a rock, and the rock is eventually pushed away. That's what we're setting up By the here. Hulk. By the Hulk, yeah. I mean, I, it's not explicitly said in the Gospels that the Hulk is the one who pushed the rock away to free Jesus. But I, have I mean, always... look, Jesus could perform miracles. I'm not sure he could move that rock. <laughs> yeah, he could heal a leper, turn water into wine, but it's never shown that Jesus could move builders. But I know who can, the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, so he called the Hulk up, the Hulk moved the boulder, and then Jesus rose from the dead. And I assume Jesus forgave him, you know, for all the rampaging. Oh, that's nice. We cut to Tyrannus and Betty, I guess, deeper inside the cave, deeper underneath the earth? Yeah, they're underneath the earth. They're going deeper. They're riding in some crazy gizmo with long legs. That's another... Uh, wheels on long legs. And they're, and they're calling uh, um, General Thunderbolt Ross on their video phone. That must freak him out. Yeah, the, the the Kirby vehicle is another one of my Kirby bingo card squares, just like a crazy vehicle of some kind, you know, like a gyrocopter or something like that. So this counts. It's like a car that has like spider legs. It's like daddy long legs with wheels on the end. Um, yeah, he calls General Thunderbolt Ross in like a video phone. I mean, which again, that alone is enough technology that could make you a billionaire. Like you don't need to drink from the fountain of youth and like capture the daughters of generals patent this device here's how it works on tyrannus's end it looks like a video screen you know kind of like he's facetiming on the other end it's just two holograms that appear in the air (laughs) imagine being able to call anyone anywhere even if they don't have a phone (laughs) they don't need a device you just appear to them like a god you just only one of you needs a device that's incredible imagine if we were doing this podcast and i was sitting in front of my computer in my office uh, microphone in front of me and you were just sort of strolling down the street <laughs> you'd, you'd notice it in the cave uh, Banner has turned into the Hulk which at this current at, at this moment in the Hulk's mythology he's able to do that he just has a device that turns him into the Hulk yeah so he like ran back to his lair uh, stand, stood on the platform turned into the Hulk and then 
Uh, this issue kind of goes back and forth between jumping and flying, but here he is flying into the cave. He's flying into the cave. He discovers... <laughs> and, and Rick Jones rides him like he's a, a donkey. Yep. That's, I love that when Rick just rides the Hulk. Uh, they discover Tyrannus, who's left the spider car and is now moving into another crazy device, which looks like a Christmas ornament, uh, a giant like ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it also yeah, has spider sp- legs. Maybe like a, a like a squid, the way it sort of got tentacles. Uh, but it descends. Grab the Hulk or whatever. It is able to descend super fast on a tunnel way, way deep into the earth, and the Hulk. So Betsy, Betty, and Tyrannus are inside of it, and Hulk holds on to it, kind of like a kid on a skateboard tailing a ride from a garbage truck. Right, and Rick Jones holds on to the Hulk by his waist. Say what you want about Rick Jones, but uh, he's pretty fearless. He's got good grip. He's got good forearm strength. I would have fallen. Oh, yeah. I look at these, I look at these characters in comic books. They have to do so much shoulder work. Um, I couldn't do it. Just the forearm and wrist strength alone of holding on to something like that um, is impressive. Once they Only the Hulk and maybe Jesus Christ could do those two things. Jesus could either do it or he could summon somebody who could do it for him. Yeah. So Tyrannus gets out of his little Christmas ornament squid device uh, and he's got a... He happened to land next to a machine that emits gas, which he uses mm-hmm. to subdue the Hulk. Yeah, he said he was prepared for such an eventuality and that's good preparation. Yeah, he built a pretty elaborate and heavy-looking machine that spits gas out. Uh, And it works. It knocks the Hulk and Rick out. Yeah, the gas goes in all directions. I guess it only affected the Hulk and Rick anyway, though. That's nice. Doesn't affect Tyrannus and Betty. Um, Yeah, Rick tells the Hulk, Hulk, it's gas. The one thing your strength can't help you fight. Hulk is... But also, like, social media, I think, is another thing. You could cancel the Hulk. He couldn't do anything about that. You can't smash your way through cancel culture. Like, people are afraid of him. He's been complaining about it all issue. He can't fix that with his muscles. Hulk and Rick wake up in a jail cell. Tyrannus is lording over them. And just some random subspecies dude is kind of along with Tyrannus for the ride, just sort of ready there to get take orders. Tyrannus declare, declares the Hulk to be his slave and dresses him up in <laughs> gladiator gear. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Saying he'll hurt Betty if uh, the Hulk fights back. So the Hulk can't fight back because he, you know, Bruce Banner is controlling the Hulk. Even, this is an interesting thing. Banner can control the Hulk, but the Hulk has his own personality. Yeah, the Hulk is like an angrier, jerkier Bruce Banner. He's like a he's like a he's like a bro version of Banner. He yells at Rick constantly. Clam up, Junior. So the Hulk has gladiator gear on on page seven, uh, which includes a pretty constricting girdle like sort yeah. of uh, upper. Keep that keep that gut in check. Yep, and a shield and, and asbestos shield. Says Rick Jones, he can he can identify asbestos by sight. Um, so the Hulk, this is reminiscent of Ragnarok. The Hulk is being used as a gladiator. The movie Ragnarok. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The Hulk is being used as a gladiator warrior. He goes up against a robot that spits fire. Yeah, out of its like third eye. Also made popular in the Planet Hulk series, uh, um, where the Hulk becomes a gladiator on a gladiator planet and sort of conquers the entire planet. It basically, he does this a lot. Yeah, Kirby likes gladiator stuff. Oh, the Hulk yeah. does this a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kirby and the Hulk. I mean, because the thing went to that gladiator planet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, that's a superhero thing, really. Superheroes are often dragged to gladiator like planets or arenas or something. Although this isn't a planet. This is under the earth. There is just yeah. a it, huge Roman Colosseum in, in under the surface. There's definitely a Super Friends episode where I think they're made to fight each other. 
as gladiators. You just, you got to do I remember, it. I remember, I remember Batman with like a, a net. I mean, as Twitter says, you love to see it. Um, so he's fighting this robot. He's she, they armed the Hulk with a asbestos shield and a gun. He takes a shot at the robot. Robot deflects it and then punches him in the face. What do you think of the robot's capabilities here? Silly. I would say silly. He can spin his arms around and then shoot one out Inspector Gadget style. Yeah, you know, with with springs underneath it. He also has a little battering ram with a <laughs> complete with a ram head, a human or like an animal ram head that comes out of his chest and bonks the Hulk in the face. <laughs> That's ridiculous, right? And that would just surprise me. <laughs> it's like a cuckoo clock device. Um, but it, the, it take it. The Hulk feels it. Oof. But yeah. now the Hulk fights back. He's mad. He suppresses the part of his brain that is Bruce Banner, and he goes into full rage mode. I guess. Or just like the camera pans in towards his eyes. Uh, it's something dramatic is happening on page uh, eight. But the Hulk then gets angry and smashes the robot in one punch and then lifts up a whole wing of the Coliseum. <laughs> it is amazing this robot took him that long to defeat. I mean, it took him a page and a half, which is not long. But he then lifts up. Uh, yeah, half of a coliseum that has like a hundred underground natives plus tyrannists sitting on it. I mean, even if it was empty, it's weird to go to like, a, 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 he's lifting up basically the loge section of Yankee Stadium. <laughs> oh, I wish he would. <laughs> you want him to wreck Yankee Stadium? I'd love it. That, It'd be great. That won't bring Mookie Betts back, Kevin. Oh, it, it might. Only Mookie Betts could stop the Hulk. Oh, Mookie Betts would, you know, that kind of versatile position play and, like, <laughs> average and power combination. Mookie Betts, the f- now former Boston Red Sox baseball player, would do all right against the Hulk. I mean, the Hulk is good, but he's not a five-tool baseball player. He hits for power, no. but probably not average. Uh, if you count jumping, he's got good running speed, but I can't see him good at throwing because he would throw the ball to, like, another state all the time. Yeah, he'd, he'd throw too hard. Yeah. I don't know about his pinpoint ink accuracy. I, you know, when you have that kind of speed, you don't need it. You know, you just rely on your heater right down the middle. Can the Hulk bunt when necessary? I doubt I it. I doubt he's got the restraint to bunt. That's for females. Um, the Hulk is, so Tyrannus zaps the Hulk with a ray, a paralyzer ray. Yeah, a bunch of uh, subspecies dudes unnamed carry the Hulk off. And then we have a little montage of the Hulk just doing slave work. One of which is like pulling a statue the size of the Egyptian Sphinx. Another which is like yeah. just damming up a river, yeah. um, pounding posts. And then like for putting a fence. in fenced, fe- fence posts. It is a weird civilization that has like all these technological things, but then like a wood fence. Yeah, or maybe they're just fans of Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, you know? Okay, then we cut to the Tyrannus at the bottom of page nine, and he reveals to us, Kevin, I no longer find the Hulk's labor amusing. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. It was amusing, and now it's become te- it's become tedious. Season two of the yeah. Hulk's Labors is not doing it for Tyrannus. Yeah, so it's a one season and then out. A subspecies guy in full armor walks up and asks to take Betty Ross. Turns out this is Rick Jones. Yeah, they forgot that Rick Jones is also here in the underground civilization. I don't know where he got the armor from. And he's the only, he's you know, when he's dressed up as a subspecies guy in armor, he's the only one who speaks English. That doesn't give it away. Yeah, he's the only one that speaks. I never. The other ones don't even say a single word, they're, and most of them again are wearing towels. They're completely well. Yeah, they're they're tired because they're dehydrated. They've all just gotten out of the uh, sauna, and, and they're also all short. They're like half the height of Betty, but Rick Jones is you know about her height. Anyway, they should have they should have been on to him. They do a Star Wars like rescue of the Hulk. They show up to his jail cell and let him go. You know, sort of like Han and Luke freeing Leia. 
Hulk is going right. to play Hulk, a role here. Uh, once the Hulk sees that Betty is safe, he bursts through the wall. Uh, yeah, now he can't be stopped. And he does a very biblical thing. He finds two huge pillars that I guess is holding up the entire realm. And he <laughs> Yeah, I think so, them. yeah. And then they ride the Christmas ornament squid thing back up to surface. And I assume Rick Jones can operate that. Yeah, Rick Jones is basically a mechanical engineer genius. And uh, so problem solved. They don't worry about following up on the existence of the subspecies race or the hollow earth theory being proven true. Just uh, they've collapsed uh, one of the big rooms in on itself. So you just wipe your hands of it. No uh, problem solved. Stanley also throws in a little bookkeeping uh, dialogue here. Betty's in a state of shock Hulk. She doesn't remember anything that happened down here. It's some kind of amnesia so that she's still afraid of the Hulk. <laughs> it's funny to think of Stan Lee being like, how am I supposed to tie this up? <laughs> yeah, just get Sandy's like, so what, like, Betty's now friends with the Hulk? That's clearly <laughs> not true based on the next story. Um, all right, that's the first of the two, two stories in this issue, so we're going to take a short break. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Okay, we're back for the second issue. This is called The Hordes of General Fang. Yeah. So we are into, this is an Asian villain, roughly inspired by Genghis Khan and also a little bit, I think, Mao Zedong, the communist um, revolutionary leader of China. Um, More more Genghis Khan. Um, So we're heading into an always fun area of uh, 1960s comics guys drawing um, non-white races. Yeah, I mean, the Mandarin over in the Iron Man books suffers from this. Uh, Yeah, it's just... Oh man, it's bad. It's not. I mean, as bad I as I could imagine um, it worse. I mean, like it's. It's not full on yellow, yellow peril, but it's. Uh, it it doesn't. It it feels um like out of date and out of touch as opposed to maliciously yeah. like you know racist. This isn't this isn't like anti World War Two propaganda style caricatures where they are depicting yeah. you know like the Germans as just like subhuman evil races and things like that. It's just you know Kirby Kirby likes to draw lots of stuff and yeah. other cultures and things like that. And so I don't you know I don't think he spends like months researching this stuff. He just goes at it with full enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have what ends up to be uh, you know an issue that you probably wouldn't reprint in modern in uh, modern times. Before we get to General Fang, the Hulk is clearly jumping. Now, yeah, Kirby seems to have relented that he cannot fly, and he, although he does fly a couple times in this issue, but he's starting yeah. to jump more than fly. Like, he kind of goes back and forth. He clearly flies later on in this story, Yeah, but here he is jumping. He is bouncing. It's clearly denoted. And I do I do love the Hulk's big jumping way of traveling around. I think that's, that's so great. That's, it's so great. I think Stan Lee was right to pick this mode of travel. Making him fly is kind of lame. Though, why is the Hulk jumping here, Will? Uh, he's running away from General Thunderbolt Ross. No. Oh. Read that first thought below. Oh, yeah. Gotta exercise this way once a week so I den- and don't end up being a muscle-bound creep. But wouldn't that make you a muscle-bound creep if you're exercising? <laughs> none, of, none of that sentence makes sense. You don't need to exercise because you're, you're a supernatural phenomenon powered by gamma rays. 
And if you do exercise, you are being a muscle bound creep. And when is the Hulk ever like, when is he ever not totally jacked? Like I've never seen his muscles <laughs> flagging. It's, I wish I could have seen the panel before where the banner, banner's like, well, got to go exercise. The thing would do this too. There'd be a lot of issues with the Fantastic Four where the rock creature, the thing would be like working out. So just a Jack Man. Kirby thing. Like he likes his guys to stay in shape. Yeah, I guess so. He's really worried about the Hulk and the thing going soft. So Thunderbolt Ross sees the Hulk jumping around for his exercise. He doesn't know it's for his exercise and fires his um, iceberg missile, which is something we saw demonstrated last issue. Yeah, it was demonstrated last issue. We mocked it for not being used in that issue. They were playing the long game. Yeah, they waited a whole issue, which is incredible restraint for Jack Kirby. Usually something is said in one panel, it's used the next panel, and then disposed of the next panel, never to be seen again. But here we waited a whole issue, and it does trap the Hulk. And you know what? Looks cool. It looks really cool. It works perfectly, other than the fact that somehow the Hulk is also hot. He's able, it's revealed, to increase his temperature with his anger, and he melts the ice. And so he gets away from the army dudes and just jumps away. Yeah, jumps away, and then Rick Jones runs back to the lair. He's nervous that the Hulk will blow his top if I ain't there waiting for him. So the Rick Jones is sort of a kept man. He's a kept man. Um, uh, doesn't want to upset the Hulk. Wants to have dinner waiting for him. Uh, but he get, Rick Jones gets back to the hideout, and the Hulk is using the gamma ray device that he operates with his feet to turn himself back into Bruce Banner. And Banner's always exhausted after this. Yeah, it takes a lot out of him. Page four, he's got like a nice ascot scarf on and a really comfy robe, and he's just like chilling out, resting after being the Hulk. I mean, I guess they moved this uh, recliner and lamp into the uh, underground layer. It's like a man cave. You know, they're spending more and more time there. They want to like decorate it nicely. Yeah, it's literally a cave. Yeah, the man caves that we know and if people who like set up a room in their basement are nothing compared to the Hulk's man cave, which is an, you know, undersea cave. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, now we cut to General Fang's uh, world. Yes, that's right. So General Fang is like a Genghis Khan-like creature. This is like, you know, un- unnamed area in Asia, you know, remote a la Mongolia, um, you know, sort of vaguely Tibetan-looking culture, um, although everyone has crazy Herby, Kirby headgear. Yeah, yeah. One guy's wearing like a Smurf hat. Yep, and um, and somebody's got somebody's got the kind of classic Kirby like Roman helmet with like the you know the brush that runs along the like a mohawk sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, General Fang is like Genghis Khan. He he has a horde, the way Genghis Khan had his Mongol horde. General Fang has his like horde of army soldiers who are well trained and ready to like take over. Yeah, they're carrying him on one of those like a uh, chair. Uh, I don't know, I forget what you call them, but. It's like a chair sitting on two poles that a bunch of people carry. And he's standing next to his chair. He's not even sitting on the seat, making it harder for them. Um, he's invading a country called Lahasa, which I, I don't think exists. I don't think so either. Um, although maybe it does. Uh, page I'm not fi- going to look it up. I'm not going to look it up. There's know. no way to find out. Page five. Um, Banner and Rick are constructing some crazy device and the radio announces that General Fang is invading Lhasa. And of all the events going on in the world, Banner chooses to get involved in this one. Yep. Immediately. I mean, I assume there's lots of other wars going on and conflicts and things. I mean, there was like, I think this is around the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis, but he doesn't get involved in that. But he's here to stop General Fang. There is a Chinese city, Lhasa, with one L. Okay. Um, that's probably what Stan, I believe 
the Honestly, capital of the Tibet Autonomous Region. Oh, okay, yeah. So the vaguely Tibetan architecture holds yeah. up. All right, I hold it. It's all true. Everything in this comic is true. This is canon of real life. Yeah, canon is a fun way to describe history. Yeah, World War Two. That's canon. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Narnia is not canon, but. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> But uh, yeah. General Eisenhower, that's canon. All right, so Banner... Yeah. Area 51, not canon. Banner turns himself into the Hulk. Fan fiction. <laughs> Banner turns himself, he into, turns the himself into the Hulk. He turns himself into the Hulk and then picks up a book. Hulk immediately gets a book uh, called Strange Myths and Legends, which I'm sure is a book that like Kirby actually has. Oh, the Good question, Will. Which story is weirder? This one or the previous one? It's a tough call because what happens on the next page is so nuts. Um, I, I think Tyrannus is crazier just for the sheer volume of things that go down. Okay. So the Hulk gets his book. Uh, he wants to read up about strange myths and legends. We don't know why. Then on page six, this is the best. Hulk and Rick, are they flying on a plane? Yeah, they're just commercial airlines. <laughs> and the Hulk remains in his Hulk guise. I guess because he won't have a way to turn into the Hulk. Yeah. On the other side they of the They can't ocean. bring the machine with them. So the Hulk has just got like a trench coat and scarf and a hat, and he's sitting in coach. <laughs> yep. It doesn't look like he should be able to fit in a coach seat, but he's being drawn as if he does. Yeah. Imagine reclining your seat back and hitting the Hulk. Uh, the flight attendant discovers that it's a Hulk and says, eek. And so <laughs> um, Hulk and Rick fly out of the plane. There's no other way to say it. <laughs> no. He just opens up the door and flies out of the plane, which means like, why were you on a plane if you can fly? <laughs> I mean, the Hulk even thinks to himself, uh, uh, I bet I can leap faster than this tub can fly. Not to mention, he doesn't think about it flying out, which is what he does. He clearly flies. He They turn in the air again. Yeah, he flies out of this plane and then starts jumping from island to island. It's And then the, the next panel clearly looks like he's flying again. Uh, then he lands and uh, General Fang's hordes are ready for him. But Hulk reveals a power that I didn't know he had, super breath. Yeah. Just he's got strong lungs, and um, he blows them away. He, he literally blows away a, a group of Fang's soldiers. Then he uses a rock as a shield and, like, flies away from them over a Tibetan castle. He destroys a plane. This is a lot of just, like, Kirby fun stuff. Yeah, a couple jets attack. He flies into those jets and smashes them next to each other. You see them parachuting out and then flies over a mountain range. And then on page eight, dresses up as the abominable snowman. That's right. So this is sort of like when Thing in issue five of the Fantastic Four, um, they go back in time and he gets basically mistake. He he becomes Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that gets retconned in a different way, but at, at the time of issue five of the FF, Thing in a pirate costume is what becomes the legend of Blackbeard. Hulk wants to sort of just become the abominable snowman. He had to scare people. He's like, they'll be more scared of a snowman than a Hulk. Right. My own existence as a huge, green, barely human, rampaging creature, that's not scary enough. But a snowman, this will freak him out. It works. It does work. It freaks them out. Um, He hits a tank with a tree. That's not what they're scared of. They're scared of the snowman. Behold. Behold, it is the abominable one, the snowman. The abominable snowman. What a hard thing to say. Um, Yeah, abominable snowman. Flee, flee. Uh, so then he's wrecking all the, uh, the Hulk pursues them and continues to fight. But General Fang 
is not scared. He has some tricks up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Let's see. There's a lot of equipment. And then um, there's a, what well, looks like a dragon. Nine, oh, yes. Pen right. Four, but yeah. it's an illusion. It's like Tupac's hologram. Yeah, it's shot from a, a video camera. There's a lot of or advanced a projection, video. A projection camera, I guess. Uh, it's, it's, got, it's a reel-to-reel, so. Marvel villains have access to pretty good video projection equipment. Oh, the Hulk leaps through it. He's fooled by it momentarily. He's excited to punch it and then jumps through it and lands in a little electric fence area. Yeah, so he seems trapped. But Rick Jones is here, Kevin, and Rick Jones foils because Rick Jones is a mechanical genius. Yeah, he unplugs the electrical fence. Yep. Um, which causes a short circuit. I think it would just cause well, maybe power plugs to something in. He yeah. unplugs and plugs it into something else. I guess he connects two wires. Uh, he he somehow instantly figures out how to disable this device, and it works. Yeah, Hulk is free. Hulk smashes out, grabs a few missiles, tosses them at the ground. So the horde does what is a Genghis Khan move. They get on a bunch of horses and ride out over the mesas to attack the Hulk. But the Hulk uses the missiles they fired to hurl them at the ground and create like a chasm. Yeah. I mean, he's destroying this landscape. He's having no problem with these guys. Yeah. I mean, well, he just handled Tyrannus the mighty. You think an army's going to hold him back? Uh, there's a bunch of paratroopers descending on the Hulk to fight, but yeah. So he grabs some trees and whips them back and forth to create a hurricane gale that blows the parachuters away. Jack Kirby is extremely creative when he finds like ways to use powers. We've had super breath. We've had a mm-hmm. rock used as a shield, and now we're using a forest basically as a huge fan. Yeah. This is like, it's almost like a Looney Tunes cartoon, like General Fang trying to capture the coyote. Yeah. Um, there's also a geyser here. I don't know if there are geysers in this part of the world, but Hulk finds a geyser, covers it with a rock. Yeah, so that the pressure builds up and explodes underneath General Fang's jeep. Just to, yeah, he, Hulk times it just right so that when General Fang is driving over this rock, the geyser explodes, and that lets the Hulk fly and catch him. <laughs> yeah, he swoops down out of the air, holding Rick in one arm, grabs Fang in the other, and then drops him off on an island surrounded by, uh, I don't even know, if like, maybe American forces? Uh, previously undisclosed enemies of General Fang are waiting for him, and he gets captured. And then the Hulk goes home. The, I guess he flies home under his own power. Yeah, we don't see the return flight. So he bought a one-way ticket, that, and he did not get a return flight. And they're that gets you flagged by a lot of securities. Yeah, that just shows you how lax security was in the 60s, that you could be the Hulk and you could get through. <laughs> That's true. He had to show an ID. I guess not then. He just had a ticket. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, mission, mission successful. Uh, General Fang is defeated. Yeah. Rick Jones says, safe at last. The Hulk says, nobody's safe. Uh, yeah, the Hulk, when he's in Hulk mode, doesn't sound like Banner. He sounds like an angry bouncer. Yeah. I mean that you and the rest of the weakling human race will be safe when there ain't no more Hulk. And, I plan it on, and I'm planning on being around for a long, long time. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Canceled next issue. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> Hulk is nothing against, you know, Twitter bot. You know, like... I don't know. Um, yeah, sales data is this one thing he can't smash. So uh, that's the issue, Kev. Yeah. I mean, the second story is pretty crazy, too. Just for that dressing up as a snowman thing yeah. and riding an airplane and 
the fight is so silly. It's probably sillier. It's probably sillier. The tyrannus has an epic to, epicness to it, even though it's insane, that makes it feel a little more substantial. Yeah. Um, does General Fang come back, Kevin? Is he used as a Marvel villain these days? I mean, Tyrannus comes back for sure, and that's stupid enough. I don't. I don't know of General Fang's return. I've never. I don't remember ever seeing him before. So um, let's pick some art and some dialogue. Great. Um, what do you want to do first? My, I'll do art. Uh, my mine is the Hulk frozen in a block of ice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I I love that drawing. Um, I think it I think it looks legit cool. It is on page two of the second story. Uh, I'm gonna say panel uh, six when he's like in the air, frozen in ice. Um, I'm picking a stupid thing, but I'm nice. picking where he gets hit with the battering ram. <laughs> Oh, the ram battering ram? Yeah. It's not good art. It's silly art. But uh, I, I love it. Um, and uh, my for dialogue, I'm going to pick the stewardess going, eek, it's the Hulk. That's my standout dialogue of this issue. Um, and the reason I had you read that last panel is because that's my dialogue, is the Hulk threatening that the human race isn't safe as long as he's around. <laughs> After saving the human race. It's a, he's a confusing character. I know. Uh, I love it, though. I love that he kind of hates the human race even after he saves it. I relate. Yeah. Um, okay, those are our awards for panel. <coughs> Should we do some uh, email? Yeah, we got some emails to read. Let's do it. Um, first, some criticism for you, Will. Okay. Not really for us, but I'm going to put it on your shoulders. I accept. This is from Stuart Watson. Loving the podcast. Loving the Instagram feeds. Um, you acknowledged once that... <clears throat> Uh, this is probably something I said, that the fan continuity community has a problem with too many movies being origin stories. Right. Um, he said we th- he thinks we talked about it during an FF episode. Probably right. Um, I think you guys have a case of originitis yourself. Yeah. Everything you've covered has been character beginnings. Yeah. That wasn't as big a deal with Spidey and FF as their initial runs, even if dated at times, are in the discussion for these uh, characters' greatest runs. But with the Hulk, his initial run is stinky. Right. Uh, Additionally, none of his major adversaries appear. True. Um, I love the Hulk character with love addendum episodes where you read a good comic with the character, maybe a single trade covered in one episode, Mm -hmm. so as not to make this request a multi-episode arc, Mm -hmm. maybe a snippet of the Peter David run or the first of Greg Pak's Planet Hulk. There have been a few quality tales of the Hulk's end in the distant future. might be fun to see a character in the very beginning and the very end, even if it's a made-up what-if end. Yeah. Anyway, keep up the quality informed if an ex- if unexpert scholarly fandom and jokes. Um, it's not a bad suggestion. I mean, we he's it's true. Like the Ditko run of Spider Man is classic, mm-hmm. uh, and I a lot of the I mean we we went over the run of Kirby stuff in the FF, which is also classic. The you know Inhumans and Galactus stretch, but we covered a lot of Drek also. Yeah, uh, it's th- yeah. This is not representative of quality Hulk comics. I mean, yeah, he, a lot of people. We've gotten a few emails of people talking about how they don't enjoy these as much as the other stuff we've read, and I think that is fair criticism. To, this is the the weakest of the three. Yeah, it, absolutely true. Um, I I find it interesting for that reason. Like, you know, for Spider Man to come out of the initial Ditko issues in a way is not a surprise because those initial Ditko issues are so strong. 
But for the Hulk to emerge from such shaky foundations is kind of interesting in a different way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we, we are reading these because we read them as kids. I mean, we are just sentimentally attached to these because we happen to have reprints of these lying around our house when we were children. Yeah. So we didn't have Planet Hulk lying around uh, or Peter right. David because those stories hadn't happened yet. Um, yeah. I recently, uh, since our last podcast, went on eBay, or not eBay, Amazon, and bought the digests of the Hulk and Fantastic Four. Just for sentimental reasons, yeah. I have. Yeah, I, just, I want to have them sitting next to the Spider-Man ones that I stole from you. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're not restricted to just doing comics that we liked as kids. Like, that's sort of where we're beginning. But I can see us doing, do, revisiting the Hulk later, you know, um, uh, doing a different run of it or something. I, I, I'd be open to that. I, I haven't yeah. read it. You'd have to be my guide on that, Kevin. But I'm, I'm down for that. Well, I think you read the initial Peter David stuff with Todd McFarlane. I did. So that would be a fair thing for us to visit. And I think that's a great storyline. The um, whatever that leads into the the Gamma Town thing where he's searching around with Quartermain and the van and all that stuff. I love uh, Todd McFarlane's art. And I really love that period of Todd McFarlane's art, especially. Yeah. So that's really before Todd McFarlane became is where he started getting big because he left that to move on to Spider-Man. Uh, so that's something we might talk about, or I might just make you read another era of the Hulk. I mean, the current Hulk comic, Immortal Hulk, which we've talked about a few times, is fantastic. Yeah, I'm curious to check it out, although my next reading is going to be House of X and um, whatever the other one is. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah it's, power, I mean, it's a, power, it's a power totally, of X. Yeah, um, it's a totally good suggestion. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, this, you are right, Stuart, and we still will... We don't. We won't change anything. We're not going to change, but we think you're right. We have an email from uh, Gregory Young. Good. Um, he, uh, Mortal Hulk fascinated me into reading the first six issues. I fell off after issue three. It seemed like an unenjoyable mess <laughs> that I trudged through in an unengaged catonic reading pose. And I am surprised a little bit by that because I think while it's not great, it's fun anyway. But anyway... Uh, Tenders- the way you guys pointed out and almost celebrated how batshit it is made me appreciate the ridiculousness in a way that makes me want to keep reading. My question for you guys is, there, are there any characters you think would benefit from having a constantly changing status quo? Hmm. Someone who might be interesting to see from a variety of different angles, but is generally typecast as one thing. I said, oh, what a fun question. I mean, basically, no, right? Like, it's bad to just change tone and story. Uh, yeah. But if... if it, it, I think maybe somebody like the Silver Surfer, where they're sort of like, you know, you could always justify it as like Galactus coming in and doing some weird thing and restricting him in different ways. It would sort of fit the logic, but give you a chance. Oh, you're trapped on Earth right now. Oh, you can only use this power. I don't know. I, yeah. Someone who has to, in a quest-like fashion, deal with different restrictions. I think that I, this, I can see the surfer being fun that way. That's my pick. I like my characters to settle in the status quo for a while so you can sort of explore them. But, I, I mean, it has been done. I think, like, companion stuff can be fun, like, just sort of on the side. Like, definitely the DC Elseworld stuff would sort of do that with Batman. Like, what if Batman was a vampire? What mm-hmm. if Batman lived um, in... Um, the steampunk world, you know, what if Superman was a communist? Uh, They've done those stories and those are sort of fun, drastically different status quos. 
I'm going to de- um, defend these. But if, if that was the entire Batman book, be, I think Batman really wouldn't be that interesting. Yeah. I'm going to defend these Hulk issues. Like the people who are saying these issues are bad compared to modern comics are, of course, totally correct. Like they, mm-hmm. they are bonkers. But and, and we've said the word bonkers a million times. But there's something fun. Here's what I would argue to appreciate. First of all, Kirby's art is good. Like the the composition, the drawing, like I just appreciate this force. It's like watching an old movie by a great director, you know, um, and I'm not enough of a cinephile to be, who's the guy that did Metropolis, like Fritz Lang or something like, wait, not Fritz Lang. That's more, that's Looney Tunes. Wait. That's I, Fritz Freeling. Oh, Fritz Lang is right. I think. Okay. I'm an idiot, but like, you know, watching some old movie by a great director, even like if, Fritz Freeling, <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, Chuck Jones, uh, Don Rickles, these great, <laughs> these great, uh, cinephiles, but like, yeah, the story might be slow and like the pacing is off, but you can appreciate, oh yeah, look at how grand this this guy's vision was. Um, there's something about that for seeing Kirby's art. The other thing that I, I think you can appreciate is modern comics, for all of their sophistication of character and storytelling, all the things that modern comics have learned, the a huge fault that I see is they are trapped in a web of continuity and history where you feel like you have to know... Not this isn't always true, but it's often true. You feel like you have to know so much to like enjoy the context of what's happening. You know, I feel like there's just always references to over a dozen previous stories in any modern story. These early issues are free of that, and there is kind of an abandon, just like a reckless abandon and experimentation that feels free. There's there's like space in terms of the history, which I think is fun. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't end up making these stories good. I'm not saying these stories are good, but I think think of a time when Marvel Comics was the Wild West, when they could do anything. Like I think that is that is an it's a there's an enthusiasm in these stories that's really contagious. Even as good as the Immortal Hulk series currently is, it is mostly mining the characters and powers and ideas that have come before it. Where these early Kirby Hulk issues. Every issue is a new idea and a new thing. I mean, that's one of the great things about the Fantastic Four, that the first, like, 60 issues felt like constantly new ideas. And those ideas held together better than the Hulk's ideas. But there's still something fun about every issue introducing something brand new. When I read um, – I reread a bunch of Ditko stuff after we did our first season. So yeah. I read Speedball and uh, Machine Man and things like that that yeah. Ditko had done. Yeah. And – when I was reading Speedball, Speedball is pretty bad in some ways, but every issue had a new villain. Yeah. And I was, there was something about that. I was like, oh, I can't remember the last time I read a comic where one of the villains at least wasn't somebody else's, like, like, uh, like oh, Jack-O-Lantern, is it, who's a Ditko villain from Machine Man, shows up as the villain in this new book because he's not really being used by Spider-Man right now. Yeah. Instead of being like, here's all brand new stuff. Everything is new. Yeah, the, this generation of comics guys, the '60s guys, they it was part of their job to do new characters all the time. So they just got used to it, and it's impressive. I think. Yeah, um, when they start bringing back characters, it's almost a against their normal nature. Like, oh, the Vulture came back. Yeah. Um, because they hadn't really done that. I mean, it's common for DC, so it wasn't like they were inventing that idea, but. They just created so much sheer stuff. I mean, Kirby, uh, Kirby's inspirations are not other comics. They are the the Greek myths. 
um, you know, adventure stories of like Westerns and like pulp novels, uh, horror comics, science fiction, science, fi- not horror comics, horror stories, science fiction stories. Like it's original. Uh, but I mean, again, the basic criticism I agree with, these stories are not good, but I, uh, the, I do think there's something to appreciate in them. There's also to use your movie analogy, it's something that's also sort of like watching a great actor in a bad movie. Yeah. Where they're still good. Right. They're still like charismatic and captivating and the movie's sort of dumb. And you're like, oh, they made that line work. Everyone else is garbage, but I like watching you know, Ewan McGregor. I like watching Ewan McGregor in the Star Star Wars prequels because he still sort of like works it. Yeah. And those movies don't aren't good. I love Will Smith and Will Smith has done a bunch of bad movies recently. But whenever I watch him, I'm always like, he's still good. Like, and that is always interesting. It's like, man, some people just have it. So the Hulk has it. Like, the Hulk is an interesting character. Like, even that last panel of the Hulk sort of threatening the human race and sort of doesn't make sense. But it's it feels like the Hulk. The Hulk, the reason that the Hulk finished these six issues got canceled, but then showed up in the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and Ant-Man and Thor is because the Hulk worked. And Stan knew it. He's like, this is a f- something fun. Yep. Um, and it's like it's like it's they, also why they made a TV show about it. It's I mean, almost like, like the Hulk works. The Hulk is a living thing that Stan and Jack cannot control. They're trying to like force him into this rule, force him into this story. But his personality is coming out no matter what. Like Stan can't help but portray the Hulk as being angry and out of control. Even though technically at this point he's being controlled by Banner. Nah, he's the Hulk. He likes to rampage. He likes to smash. It's fun. Um, yeah, uh, maybe we, we have had a lot of fun and we will continue to making fun of the weirdness of these stories, but I do love them and they are, I, 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 I once was watching the movies with a friend of mine. It was some crazy bad movie called the apple, which is like this famously bad movie from like 1980, this really terrible musical. And, um, we were talking about how bad it was, but my friend was like, you know what? I'll watch any movie that is original. Like if it just doesn't feel like it was written cynically by committee calculated to like, you know, capitalize on existing trends, if it's somebody's vision, I'll watch it. And I feel that way about comics. Like if somebody's given it a, something original, a shot, I'll, I'll read you. Uh, I'm there for it. I genuinely love issue three where Rick Jones controls the Hulk. I genuinely love it. Yeah. Um, and I like last issue a lot. Issue four where Banner gains control of the Hulk. As, as yeah. we've said, the image of the Hulk trapped in a cell, pounding his way out, and Rick Jones is hoping that the cell holds is scary as a kid, and it works now. There's, like, moments that work really well. And Hulk standing on the platform, changing himself back and forth is very cool. Yeah. Um, this issue I don't like as much as the previous two, but um, it's still fun to see sort of angry Bruce Banner barely controlling the Hulk, which gets followed up on next issue somewhat. So we are agreeing that these stories are bad, like we've said, and like these past two emails have said. And I appreciate that these emails are being diplomatic about it. I'm not upset that people don't like these stories. But um, I, I think there's something to appreciate for the modern fan that they would really enjoy if they read these. Uh, Thomas Franzum, on the same uh, thread of talk conversation we're having well, asks us, of the early Marvel titles you've covered, which do you think is objectively the best? There's no question. It's the Spider-Man stories. Like, yeah, I agree. They they hold up the best. They're the most emotionally grounded. There are some boring think, ones, but like, I they, think they, even if you just took the best six issues or a twelve issue run of each title, which for the Hulk would be all of them, 
And then Spider-Man still beats the Fantastic Four. Yeah, FF would probably be the Inhumans Galactus run. Some you know some yeah, subsection there, um, which would be awesome. But I mean, for Ditko, it would be either the Master Planner saga or that little Green Goblin run at the end of the teens, like around when Spidey quits yeah. or whatever. They're awesome. They're so moving and great. Um, I think the Ditko ones, because of the emotional component, wins. Yeah, um, it's not surprising that Spider-Man is the character who could survive his character, his creators leaving the quickest. And I, I always in my head had Ditko and Kirby equal. Uh, Kirby really even ahead because of the volume of work that Kirby did. But Ditko stories, they they're the mo- they're the modern Marvel template. You know, the hero who has everyday problems. That's Ditko. Yeah, Spider-Man sort of infected all the other characters. Uh, the humanity of Fantastic Four was there, probably maybe coming more from Stan even than uh, Kirby, but it was probably from both of them. Yeah, they're a family. There's a marriage. There's a brother and sister. Like there, there is some. They more bicker. Hu- yeah, yeah. They're they're an imperfect. They're imperfect people. But giving them hardships uh, and stuff like that. I mean, any new character that gets created is almost always cut from Spider-Man's cloth. And yeah. that I'm talking all mar- all superheroes, not just Marvel. Like when DC rebooted Green Lantern in my twenties, uh, teens, I forget when that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got rid of Hal Jordan and replaced him with Kyle Rayner. Yeah, Kyle Rayner was Spider Man. Right, right. Batman Beyond is Spider Man. Yeah, like Spider Man is the template that gets copied over and over again. So yeah, yeah that, that that one stands out. You know, of course, but I mean that Galactus series is something special and unique to itself. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, I'll pick I'll pick Spidey. Um, Jameson Stiles asks, if you could give Hulk another power completely out of what we think of as the Hulk, like how Jack Kirby intended Hulk to fly, what would that new power be? That's fun. I'll give him the power to, I want a really bonkers one, to turn into a hmm, uh, skateboard. (laughs) And then Rick Jones can ride him. You know what I mean? Like it's like uh-huh. like a super powered flying skateboard, like Silver yeah, yeah, Surfer yeah. style that Rick Jones can ride. And there's um, like a little face in it that can talk. Uh, what if he could pick up uh, AM radio? <laughs> AM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, so like at night. He just pick it up naturally with using his gamma rays. He could suck in. <laughs> Uh, AM radio signals and kind of play them through his mouth like Gilligan in that one episode where uh, uh, he got like bonked on the head. <laughs> so at night he can't get stuff anymore, right? Like does an AM not work at night or something? Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be AM and <laughs> FM, all terrestrial radio, not satellite radio. It feels too powerful. And not shortwave radio. Not shortwave, but it could be so. Oh, maybe ham radio so he could talk to Rick Jones wherever Rick Jones is. <laughs> Just using his gamma powers. <laughs> Yeah, I think yours is better. Turning into a skateboard is dumb. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Turning into a skateboard feels like a, a Super Saturday Friends. morning cartoon yeah. edition. Yeah, it's like the the Wonder Twins. It'd be like a, a Rick Jones and his Hulk board. I'm gonna modify mine. He could turn into anything with wheels, like one of those like vague, like hero powers. You know what I mean? That yeah. you can really stretch. Can he have an engine, or is it all like scooters and and? Uh, I think there's no internal Bicycles. combustion engine. It's, it'd be like a you could do a Jeep with no engine in it, sort of thing. Sure. So you could, if he was going downhill, he could pull that off. Yep. Yep. 
Flint's, he could become the Flintstones car, no problem. It has to be something that he is that exists. He can't just invent a machine with wheels. It's got to be like you know, a Camaro or whatever. Um, let's do. Uh, no, I don't know. I didn't mark it. I have one more, but I didn't mark it, so we'll do that another time. Okay. Uh, well, you um, can email us at screwitspidey at gmail. Please tell us your thoughts of the Hulk, even if you hate it. Uh, I don't mind if you disagree with us uh, or anything about comics that you want to tell us. We're nearing the end of this season. We're going to be doing uh, uh, two more episodes on the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll be covering a new comic. Yeah, we haven't picked yet. We have to decide that, but we'll we'll announce that soon. This will probably be the first one that we... Well, I don't know. I, we don't know what it is yet. And... Um, It'll be our first one that's not one of the little Marvel Digests. Yeah, we're breaking out of our Marvel Digest. So it could be DC, it could be more uh, modern. Uh, probably won't be something currently coming out, but it'll be we're still, something. We're still old men out of touch. Yeah, yeah. It won't be anything that anyone can relate to <laughs> or care about. Uh, screw it, Spidey is our email address, screw it, Spidey at Gmail. We have an Instagram account, screw it, comics, and a Twitter account, screw it, comics. I really recommend you look at those. Kevin does these awesome screenshots of the things we're talking about. Um, he really picks good stuff. That's fun. And screw it. Just this morning, I posted the iceberg missile one. Oh, yeah. And it's come back. Yeah. Um, when you did the post that showed the toad men talking about their magnet powers and you had 10 instances of them bragging about their <laughs> magnet powers, 10 instances in a comic that's like 20 pages is so funny. Yeah. I it, think there were 11 or 12, and I had, but Instagram... Uh, Stop shit. Every time they open their mouth, they're bragging about their magnet powers. <laughs> that's all they do, that whole comic. Stuff like that's fun to realize. I'm, I'm doing montages of all the flying poses and these current these current issues. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how you can reach us. And um, I guess uh, without further ado, we'll see you guys next episode. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. Just about comics. What's going on? Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics listeners. Screw it. Are you ready for a promo? Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Muriel. And we're the hosts of Hella Hella in in Your your 30s. 30s. A podcast about a cool couple trying to do adult stuff. So each week we invite you to join us as we try to learn things we should probably already know. Like, how does a stock market work? Can we install that bidet? Why are all of our houseplants dying? This is a podcast for people of all ages. Because remember... Age ain't nothing but a number. But being Hella in Your 30s is a state of mind. So tomorrow's a new day, let's order pizza. Campfire.